And with that, welcome to the Faculty Podcast, brought to you by Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., part of a 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. We are coming back for our fall semester, so things are in swing. There's more people around campus, and we've got most of the crew here. Uh, Grace Utanto is not with us, but Dr. Peter Lee is here, Dr. Tommy Keene, and Dr. Paul Jean join me. I'm Scott Ray. Uh, president here at RTS Washington. And we're coming out of the summer season, which for all of us means opportunities to fill pulpits, or uh, as we call it in the guild, offer pulpit supply for um, pastors who are going on their summer vacations. And uh, a few people may know this, that's a regular part of the seminary professor's job, is that sometime around June, July, you start getting a lot of invites to preach at churches and it's great. It's for me, it's one of the things I love the most about this job. My I and my family get to see other churches. We get to you know see what it's like to be with other worshiping communities and we get to preach, which all of us in one way or another are called to do regularly and we love doing that. Um, so what we're actually going to talk about and this conversation came out of a pre-recording conversation where we were talking about uh, what we've experienced when we're on the road, as it were. <laughs> on, the, on the road, I like that. <laughs> when you're on the road, when you're you're doing gigs, you're on tour. Um, no, I'd like to see the Scott Red bus. The Scott, the Scott Red it's, <laughs> tour bus. It's crazy. Bedtime by 9 p.m. on the when we're on the road. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk a little bit just about the experiences and also kind of more generally, um, not just when you're doing pulpit supply, but all of us have been regular pastors in the past and Mm -hmm. what we have enjoyed, how we've benefited from the response of congregations and particularly the comments after the sermon and how sometimes maybe we haven't benefited as much. So we're going to talk about how to talk to your pastor about his sermon. I think that's an important thing because there's like, there's that moment of that 15 minutes after the sermon where you're all congregating and sometimes the pastor is there and you're like, yeah. well, what do we talk about? Yeah. Do we what talk do we about what, the elephant in the room is that you just exhorted me to love my wife better. <laughs> and, uh, you know, how do I, how do I, uh, have an ordinary conversation now That's with right. you. That's right. Particularly my wife is also standing yeah, right here. She knows whether right or not there. I've, been, I've been successful in this regard. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good, you know, I think about it because it's an awkward, it's a bit of an awkward moment because as a pastor, as the preacher, you just spent however many hours preparing this. You've maybe given it once, maybe twice or three times that morning. Uh, You thought a lot about it. I mean, for me, by God's grace, one of the ways I think I get sanctified is by preparing sermons. (laughs) You know, that's, that's where I find the Lord speaks to me really deeply is in that deep exegesis and preparation of sharing that with God's word. And then suddenly you find yourself in this very casual situation, maybe shaking hands in the back of the room or standing at the front and kids are walking by and, and some kids are asleep. As, as happened to me yesterday, uh, a family walked out and the son was just knocked out cold on his dad's shoulder. And I thought, I did that. I, I did, did that. That was, that was me. Yeah, right here. You're I'm welcome. I'm good at that. Yeah. I do that real well. <laughs> I mean, I think that's principle one is that your pastor's sermon is personal to them. Yeah. It's not. It's not like... A, I mean, every all of us are a little bit different in, in our prep and our process and and things like that. But this is not some, you know a package that 
or a, a canned canned goods that pastor got off the shelf and just popped open and, and yeah. served to you. This is this is something that has been probably meditated on and crafted. I remember in seminary, uh, in sermon preps class, um, our we we would deliver sermons, and the the teacher uh, would critique them. But they but the teacher said, "I'm not going to critique your sermon until a week later." And the reason is is it's going to be too, too fresh, fresh. Well, it's too good. raw. And I don't know if that's a great process, but it it, it was a reminder that yeah, this is this is something that's personal. It's something that's been meditated on for mm -hmm. some time. And that doesn't mean you have to just say compliments or just say nothing or anything like that. It just means remember that whatever you say, it's probably going to be interpreted yep. personally. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to. And, it, and for both sides, I think about that for the congregation and also for, we have a lot of young pastors or pastors in training who listen to this. And I think back over the years of comments, uh, many of them negative or dismissive and how much they hurt. And yet also at the same time, I can think back and almost all of them, either either they're funny and it helps me be reminded that mm -hmm. that person's might be in the, in the audience in the congregation when I'm preaching. Or they really did teach me to do something better. As a matter of fact, I remember the, the first to get this. So here, here's my first three experiences preaching. And this is while I'm still in seminary at RTS Orlando. Um, I got the opportunity to preach uh, at three, three times, twice at the same church. Hmm. And each time I preached, the first comment as people were walking out the door was, I don't think your mic was on. It was really hard to hear you. And this is after... Mm -hmm. You know, There's preparing, I mean, I'm coming yeah. out and this was my, this was actually for me in my young pastoral mind, I was thinking this is the external call, right? If I, if I don't have it, I'm going to find out now. Mm -hmm. And I pour my heart into these sermons and the first three times, I remember going to my wife thinking, is God just muting me? Is he like saying, <laughs> no, don't do this. Stop. Kill Go the home. Mic. Kill the you mic. Know, kill the mic. Kill the mic. But each time I'd sit there and by the third time I was waiting for it. But here's the thing. I think it also, you know, uh, for one reason or another, I think there actually were mic problems for one reason or another in, in each of those churches. But it made me be very mindful about is the congregation hearing me? Am right. I enunciating? I, I look, you're looking into their faces. I think before I was getting up, maybe like it was a show and just performing. And I started looking in their faces to hear, are they hearing me? Like you do in a conversation with a real person, you know? And I look back on that and I thank God for it. No matter how debilitating it was at the time, I thank God that that was my early experience. And it kind of got me headed off in a certain trajectory. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I agree with, uh, you know, what, what Tommy uh, shared and your experience about uh, preaching being such a personal thing, uh, because in many ways it's when uh, the pastor is the most vulnerable, if you really think about it, you know, he has put in whatever amount of hours on any given sermon, and now he is sharing it. Um you know, and it now it's open for to a certain degree. It, Lord, Lord willing, it'll be received and received well, uh, but people will always kind of critique the content, the delivery, um, and 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 you're not sure as a pastor, you're never really certain if uh, what you said meant something or meant nothing. Um, 
sometimes to hear nothing, you're you're kind of left with uh, the sense of um, of a of an insecurity almost. You know, you don't know if you did a good job. You don't know if you did well. You don't know if you didn't do well. If you didn't do well, then you know, as a pastor, Lord willing, we want to do better, and we can't do that unless we hear back. But if you hear nothing, you're not sure how to interpret that, and right. so. Uh, to get some feedback, um, because it's such a deeply personal thing, because you're so vulnerable, um, and you do it every week, you know, yeah. um, uh, it, it is encouraging uh, for pastors, I would think, to to get some feedback one way or another. I think the the best compliment that I can receive after preaching is is some sort of engagement. Yeah, um, and the, and the critique can be a part of that. It can be engagement. Critique can come from a place of Hey, I was listening to you and I'm trying to understand, help me. And critique can come from a place of, I didn't like the way you did that. Um, I didn't like what you say there. And, and those are two very different kinds of feedback, right? So I, I, I love that kind of engagement. Hey, I, I didn't, you, know, you made this point. Can you clarify? What do you mean? What's the implication here or there or everywhere? Even after the service, I think those are fun conversations to have. One of the churches in the area that I preach at, they, they actually have a sermon discussion time yeah. after the sermon. That's And I love that time. Yeah. Um, and it's, the congregants are very honoring. And even when I'm being unclear, they'll ask for clarity. And it's it, those are great kinds of things. But the other kind of critique is that kind of, you know, you didn't do that right. And sometimes those kinds of things need to be said, but don't. But don't do that after the, you know, right after the sermon. Uh-huh. Wait. And also, to, and also the other thing not to do is send the email, hey, we need to talk um, <laughs> and leave it just hanging there because uh-huh. uh, because your your pastor knows exactly what's going on and is just going to be sitting anxious for the next four days until you, you meet with him for coffee and, and tell him the things that he did wrong. So. You know, find a way to have those conversations in, in a in a if if they need to be had in a way that respects the mm-hmm. the person the person who's given the message. There's the I remember a counselor telling me of the stroke stroke kick method. Okay. You know, stroke stroke kick. So what that means is you you say two nice things. That's the stroke. You stroke stroke, and then you give them the negative thing last. It's actually a good model for human communications, by the way. But yeah, yeah, show up and say. Even if you didn't like anything about it, but their tie, you know, hey, I like your tie. That's a yeah. great looking tie. You've got a real good presence up there. Do you ever think that maybe you should exegete the text and then other some stroke, stroke, kick? But I did. There is something to that, and it's not that it's all about your pastor's feelings either. However, it is something to keep in mind. This is a thing that they've put their heart and soul into. Hopefully, Lord willing, you know that they've put their heart and soul into this, and um. You know, it's, it's, it's something that's close to them. I, I, I find for me, I mean, I, I, as you think about the preaching, it's, and it's different from teaching. It's more immediate. It's more emotional. Yeah. It's exegesis. I mean, with all the theological background to it, it's the exposition of God's word. It's fulfilling the prophetic office in our Presbyterian context. Um, so it's, but it has this different thing than teaching and what i what i know is that in teaching you can kind of feel your way around a topic and interact and ask questions Mm -hmm. and get the students responses you don't get that as much in preaching and so i need to know how people are hearing me and receiving me Mm -hmm. you know i remember one time an elderly woman coming up after i was preaching and it turned out i just she came up i could tell she had something she wanted to say 
she came right up to me and she said, when you closed in prayer, you had your hands in your pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, don't do that. Never pray or lead the people before the Lord with your hands in your pocket. And I was a young guy. And to me, honestly, having your hands in your pocket didn't mean one thing or another. It didn't mean yeah. casual versus not casual register. Yeah. It didn't mean, you know, formal or anything like that. It's just something that people do with You're their just hands. just a Gen Xer. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just a Gen Xer. But I appreciate now I don't pray with my hands in my pocket, right? Because I appreciate that she let me know that there are people out there that might get caught off guard. I don't want to create obstacles to them hearing God's word. And if it's my hands in my pocket, I mean, I don't care that much about that, you know? So I'll take it out. I'll take them out. You know, I want to, I want to move up, remove obstacles. And so it's a benefit. It kind of provides you with a little bit of that dialogue that you don't otherwise get in the preaching context. But not all comments are beneficial in that way. Not all comments are. Like, <laughs> I, I had the same old lady in my congregation. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> she, she got around. She, she got around. <laughs> yeah. I, I like Tommy's uh, comment about uh, people coming up and asking uh, questions or talking mm-hmm. to you about the sermon. Because it. Um, uh, I guess I have two different kind of encouraging responses depending on the context I preach in. So, uh, you know, I have. I have pastor churches uh, where you're speaking to the regular same congregation week after week after week. Um, and for those folks, when they come to me and say, yeah, that was a good, good message, Pastor. It, it's it's okay. I guess it's better than a bad message. Right. But you, yes. you don't know if, you know, I mean, what are they going to say otherwise? But for those that I speak to on a regular basis— um, and for them to come and then ask, you know, a question about, or that really made me think or, or something like, um, you know, can we talk? I really need, uh, yeah. you know, prayer in light of what you just shared, you know, some, then, you know, something really, um, the spirit worked in this person and, and the Lord used you as an instrument to really minister to this person. And that's, that's really gratifying. But when I go to a congregation that I don't know, like, you know, these are strangers, they don't know me, I don't know them. And it's it, it's always a little weird to speak to a, in a con. You guys know what I'm talking about, because mm-hmm. you're not sure, um, you know, uh, if there are certain phrases that there that you can use and you can't use yeah. and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So you mm-hmm. just do the best that you can. You have no real long-term commitment. You have no vows. They made no vows to you. Yeah. Uh, you just come because you're speaking and you were asked to on any given Sunday and then you can go home. But uh, but in that context, you know, I don't know these people. Uh, I am a guest. I'm a stranger. Uh, for them to come up to me and just simply say hello and say, you know, that was a really nice message actually does mean a lot Yeah, because they don't know me. I don't know them. Uh, and, and I think people forget when a guest pastor comes to speak at your church, they are a guest. They may be a pastor, but they are a visitor in a way. And, uh, and I actually appreciate being greeted like you would greet any guest, you know, for people to come and say hello to, to, uh, to just sit down and talk to you a little bit, maybe about the message, maybe not. But, um, uh, but, uh, I actually appreciate depending on the different context, uh, different uh, responses that people give to yeah. to the word that I give. I think that's the other thing is that, you know, on the one hand, you've got this, this is personal to the person preaching and you need to respect that. But on the other hand, let's not over-spiritualize everything, right? Like 
you can just be a normal person after the service. That's okay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you don't have to continue speaking in solemn tones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, the pastor is going to turn off his pastor voice and you can turn off your, you know. So you can just have that kind of go about the business of life. And part of that is just welcoming and here's where the coffee is and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and tr- treating somebody like a normal person. Well, Indeed. It's true. And, and dropping in, it is, I, I, I realize it. I mean, having worked at a church as my only job, my full-time job and have now doing pulpit supply. It is a different thing. You are coming in, you're given a huge grain of salt. Usually, usually the churches gives you a huge margin mm-hmm. to blow it. Cause they know you're not from there or not to blow it necessarily, but to be different. Right. Um, and I, you know, I've come out of churches and told a pastor, man, your church is so warm and welcoming. And I can tell by the look on their face, they're like, yeah, to you, <laughs> you know, they were to you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You should. It's like when someone comes, you know, visits your family, you know, all their dysfunction, all your family's dysfunction, but they just see how nice everybody is. Maybe, um, you know, so you're dropping into the scene and it is a really privileged place. That's, I mean, I even like to start with that whenever I preach. They, I, I recognize I'm not your regular pastor. You know, and I don't say that, but to say, thanks. Gosh, it's an honor to be with you. Yeah, thank you for is. having me. And it is me. an honor. And it is. Thank, right. thank you it for is. having me. You know, and it's, I'm, I'm excited to share this with you. And you can even say, you know, you can, and when you're preaching to them, you can acknowledge in ways that you are a guest there. You yeah. don't know them like their pastor knows them. And you're not, you're not trying to be, not to go back to the family metaphor. I'm not showing up and trying to act like I'm your dad or something. I'm not right. Yep. Yep. It's a different relationship and uh, it, uh, it creates all kinds of opportunity for fun interactions, but I'd like to hear from the only current, um, yeah, me too. you know, regular preaching pastor <laughs> who is preaching to congregations and doing pulpit supply. As of yesterday, you did pulpit supply while also preaching at your own church on Sunday morning. Right, you did an evening service at another church. All right. Well, let's see. What are your thoughts on comments from the congregation? (laughs) I see you have a notepad there. Uh, Well, you know what Scott just said. My experience of preaching regularly at New City, my congregation, is different because it has a lot to do with I think the size and culture of our church, and so um, I don't. Like the feedback, if I get any, it's just very familial. Like, mm-hmm. eh, it, was, it was a good sermon. Mm, that one didn't really seem to make much sense. And for some reason, um, it, 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 I don't know why. It just, it's fine. And I think the members of our church are so gracious. Like I, earlier went on when I preached at our church, you know, I tend to sometimes say very inappropriate comments, which I'm known for, or using I use phrasing that um, is unconventional. And, you know, our members are really great about it. They'll just contact me and they'll say, hey, Pastor Paul. Um, and, and they'll be so gentle about it. They're like, ah, maybe you want, might want to think about, you know, phrasing this a little bit differently and they'll explain why and it's fine. So I really love preaching at my church. Uh, I love my people and I think they sense it and you know they love me well so there's our context is so unique that um giving feedback back and forth it's like I don't know what it is it's just like fine you know it's just like natural um, yeah like that's why I've had to even think through this question like I, I get feedback occasionally and but just the way I receive it is 
it's not very different from the way I receive feedback from like my wife. Sometimes um, we'll drive home. I'll be like, what'd you think of the sermon? She goes, eh, it wasn't one of your best ones. <laughs> and and then I'll be like, yeah. And then we just move on. Like it, there's almost an unfeeling aspect to it, but I don't mean that in an unhealthy way. I think in terms of guest speaking, so I was thinking about this last night because um, I guest spoke. And uh, I've heard and I've experienced the range of feedback. I mean, we we're sort of talking about some which are like so inappropriate that's the only proper response is to laugh because they're hilarious. <laughs> and um, some equally positive like feedback that's like also inappropriate. Like, I wish my pastor would preach like you. And I was like, oh, no, don't, yeah. don't say that, you know. And I, I, I know this might sound like Dr. Keller had a good comment. He said, whenever you receive feedback, assume there's even a grain of truth. And that's been actually very freeing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very freeing. But I think all in all, Both because... positive and negative. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a grain like, of truth. A grain of truth. Um, you know, but for me, I just... I think I've been preaching for a long time now, and I've received such a range of feedback. So I want to just make sure this doesn't come off the wrong way. But there's a lot of wisdom in not taking feedback too seriously. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I just said there's a grain of truth, but people are going to like um, hear you. And uh, there are going to be times for whatever reason you do really well and you don't do well. But um, one thought I had last, uh, last night was this. But in a lot of ways, when we preach, we never know like really the outcome. And I was thinking about this last night because I was actually thinking about Dr. Keene. And uh, the reason for that is uh, I spoke at a church where we we had our former New Testament professor, Dr. Rich Gaffin, attends. And um, I was thinking how strange it was because Dr. Keene and I, we graduated same class, 2005 at Westminster. And he probably thought, Dr. Gaffin probably didn't think that two of his students from that year would end up becoming New Testament professors at, you know, RTS. He just taught faithfully, not thinking, oh, there's going to be concrete fruit in this way. And um, I was just thinking about that. Um, and I think a lot of times when we preach, we do the best we can. We should receive feedback. But in a lot of ways, like, you don't know, like, what will happen. And so um, I've had messages that I thought were the worst. And years later, um, I'll have someone come up and say, hey, that really transform my life actually even last year i had a student uh in one of my greek classes he says hey do you remember me and i hate that question because i don't but i'm like oh sorry i know he goes well the you preached never <laughs> so he said you know you spoke uh at a youth retreat 10 years ago and uh, i actually came to know the lord through that retreat and here i am now you know at the seminary because i felt called to the ministry and i was like wow that's amazing mm. that you know but then i there are times when i think oh i've preached a pre pretty decent message and i got no feedback so mm. yeah you, you just never know and so that's how i process a lot so, of it yeah, that's interesting i want to talk about that a little bit how well do you gauge the what, success of a sermon while you're giving it what's your what's your what's oh, what's yeah. your uh what's your scorecard in terms oh. of responses afterwards versus how you think you did it's almost they almost never match <laughs> it's funny yeah me too That's i mean i've now almost never i've had some where i felt like man i hit i hit that out of the park mm. um i was i was thinking 
I was thinking about this yesterday. I, like if if my sermon matches the way it sounds to me as I'm preaching it my, to myself in the car ride over, if it comes out the way it comes out in my head mm -hmm. on the car ride over, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be solid. Yeah. And it never, but it never does. Um, it never matches the car ride over. But uh, uh, so if I if I if I really felt like oh that was solid, I had a good flow of words. It, I usually that usually matches, and then at the bottom end. Mm -hmm. That usually matches. Paul, you and I have kind of a, I think, similar style maybe. And so I never know what's going to, how it's going to end up. No. Because I'm not preaching from like rigorous notes. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I, I still remember this one evening service where I'm like halfway through the sermon and I just know that this is the worst thing. Mm -hmm. This is unclear. It's the worst thing that's ever come out of my mouth. It's just terrible. And uh, yeah, and that's how the congregation responded. <laughs> you were right. That was one for one. It's, but the rest of them, I have no idea. Yeah, my, my wife knows now if she's not there when I preach and she asks me how it was, she actually often does. She'll ask me like, how are you doing? But she yeah. won't ask me how it was because she knows that I will not know. Yeah. You know, I'll say, I think it was terrible. And then she'll talk to someone later and they'll say like, that was amazing. It was great. You know, or I'll say I killed it. Like I was, you know, this all sounds very egomaniacal, but in other words, I got the message across. They yeah, heard, right. yeah. I got the message across. They responded well. And she'll hear later. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I wasn't really sure what he was talking about, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I am the worst at gauging in the moment, whether or not this is connecting and praise God. He yeah. often uses what I think are my weakest, weakest, uh, sermons to really touch people's lives in a way that I'm always surprised by. The best is when someone comes up to you after the service and they, they thank you for the sermon. And they, I remember this, my, one of my first sermons was on first Peter one. And I said, the word elect is here, but this isn't really talking about the doctrine of election. It's talking about this idea and, and being an exile and we're chosen to be exiled. You know, I did all this, this stuff. And somebody came up after the sermon and said, that was the best sermon on infralapsarianism I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. just good. Like, how, how uh -huh. do we get from what I said to where you yeah. are? Yeah. Those, those are discouraging <laughs> moments. Those are discouraging moments. Yeah, that's interesting because sometimes I'll have a member come up and say that this point really touched and changed their lives. Yeah. And I'm nodding because... I definitely did not make that point. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, I also think, well, you know, God works the way he does. But yeah. to, I mean, to Scott's uh, question, I think that it's hard for me to gauge how well I did. But one thing I'm able to, I think I've really picked up on, and I, I hate to say this because I know it's heretical, but I have noticed uh, comedians, I, I learned this from comedians actually, in the sense that they're very well attuned to their audience. And so I can usually tell if I am connecting whether we're attuned. And, you know, some signs are uh, occasionally when you're preaching and you know that everyone's in tune, a moment of silence, it's not awkward. You can tell like mm -hmm. something's going on. But when I'm not in tune, all of a sudden, people are looking at their watches like more frequently. They're shifty, and you know they, you know that that uh, image of like there's like an invisible butterfly like in the room, and everyone seems to be following it. So <laughs> I, I have a good sense of whether I'm in tune with an audience, but not. I don't have a good sense of like yeah. 
uh, what the fruit of my sermons are. And that's and you have an audience that you get to know. Yeah. And you know your congregation. That's the thing for me is that there are some churches that are really responsive and you drop in as a guest pastor and you feel it, you know, and there are other churches, maybe particularly in our Presbyterian yeah. circles. I don't, Pres- know, I don't Presbyterian know, you know, circles. I don't want to overstate my case. Don't you'll talk preach about it and you'll be like, I don't know. You'll get, I don't know if my mic was on, yeah. you know, and then you walk out and they'll say, man, that, that, that convicted me so much because of this thing that happened this week, or I'm so encouraged hmm. in Christ. And you're like, Oh, okay. Okay, good. Cause I didn't, I didn't pick that up at the time, but they're just different, you know, the congregations. It's interesting how a group of people can have a personality, you know, that's not individual. Oh, yeah. It's the group yeah. personality. I think another thing I'd sound off here, like even if you don't know what to say, just expressing gratitude yeah. is, is a good thing. I mean, on the one hand, we're called to preach on Sunday. And so it's expected, right? Mm-hmm. This is a duty for the preacher is to preach. He's been called by God for that purpose. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't show some gratitude, some, you know, some thanksgiving that this is that this is happening and that the person has has put their time into it. So a simple thank you is goes a long goes way. Yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. All right, worst comment. Worst comment that you've received after a sermon. <laughs> <laughs> come closer to your mic peter because you're about to you can, talk you can see the catalog the catalog is going through its head. <laughs> wait by worst, worst comment, comment or most that awkward com- comment that comes to mind as the most uh yeah i don't know the one I've, that messed with you the most i've got one personally messed with you yes go if ahead you, if you don't have one I, i've got one i don't have any I've got a there. there so people will come up and they'll, they'll like like Paul said. They'll say things that you think are funny. Uh, they're so bad it's funny. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of those. But the one that messed with me is somebody came up afterwards. Somebody who's I respect a lot, and they said, "When did when did you stop preaching biblical sermons?" Oh yeah, okay, that's good. <laughs> and I was just kind of floored, and I didn't know what this meant. <laughs> no um, way to answer that question either. And it, it reminded me, actually, Paul, you reminded me about this comment when you said there's a grain of truth in everything, because I think I'm preaching biblical sermons, but I don't know what this person means. So we had, you know, coffee and talked it through. What they meant was, actually, I'm just not, I'm, I, I'm preaching this topical sermon that seems distant from the text. In my head, it's worked. I've done the exegetical work. Mm-hmm. And in my head, it's, I was preaching through the minor prophets. And I was trying to find ways to not say God is still mad at you every week, like that there's a different, something different each week. And I realized what was happening was in an effort to do that, to find the unique thing in each text that I was preaching topical sermons Mm -hmm. Um, and it no longer felt anchored to, to the text. It it took a lunch conversation to figure out what he meant by biblical, but he meant, not connected to the text it feels detached from the text yeah so that actually it messed with me it bothered me frustrated me but it actually resulted in uh, a lot of fruitful skills that i think i carry to this day yeah that's good i mean my response would be i have i mean the one comment that didn't really mess with me is just 
I think it's I. Okay, everyone responds to comments differently. I, for some reason, find this comment hilarious, but many of my、um, at least Asian colleagues find this very offensive. But like, I've often been、uh, told my English is very good, and I, I, I just think it's funny. I, you know, I don't know why. Like. I I try to get offended by it, but you know, like, but it's fine. I think the one comment that I think that phrasing is interesting that messed with me in a good way was、um, there was this angry young individual who came up to me and said, "Have you listened to your own sermons? Because they're very good, but you don't seem to be actually living out what you preach." <laughs> so, wow! And I was like, "Oh." And I said,、um, "Would you mind expanding on that?" And this person said, "No, just go think about it." <laughs> so, so I guess that sort of messed with me. But then, <laughs> right back at you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but、uh, you know, like even that didn't really mess with me because I, I know that there's always going to be some gap between God's so, truth so and the, my life. The、so. comment about your English is that because you're from Queens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope so. But you know, it's usually coupled with like where I'm from,、yeah. and I say、yeah. Queens, and then go, it's、oh. where are you really from? I said、oh. I really am from Queens. <laughs>、yeah. I But I think I, what you're asking is, I get asked if I know their dry cleaner as well. That one. <laughs> oh no! Oh, yeah. oh no! But yeah, so. The、uh, well, you know, I mean, you know, as I said, you know, we're very vulnerable when we're up there preaching, and oftentimes we're、uh, targets in 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 some ways. And、um, you know, I did. I remember I was asked to give a sermon at a church. I was specifically told to be very application oriented,、uh, not to be too heavy with the theology, not too heavy with the with the Christocentric approaches, just to be very application oriented. So it was a missions theme. Um, and uh, I did a very light.、Uh, I can't remember what passage. I think it was Acts one eight, and I did a real quick thing about Acts one eight, and then spent、uh, like fifteen minutes on ways you can, you know, be a witness locally, missions overseas, and and things like that. And and、uh, I had a person come up to me afterwards,、uh, and basically just you know kind of rip into me a bit of just how、uh, shallow. Uh, how moralistic、uh, mm. the the thing was,、moralistic. and、um, you know,、uh, devoid of Christ it was, and I, and you know, what am I going to say? I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I was asked to do, and so, but it did. In hindsight, it, it made me、uh, realize,、um, you know, even though I was asked to do this, and and I did it, the,、um, you know, th- th- there is a way in which perhaps we can always be、uh, Christ centered. And gospel-based and redemptive-based, even in our application, and and maybe in my mind, I was just thinking the two are so distinct from each other、um, that it maybe came across as being a way that was more, you know, you could have taken Jesus out of that message, and this and the message alone would have been perfectly fine.、Hmm. And there's something wrong with that, perhaps、yeah. at any state. And and if it was that devoid of it, then you know maybe there was something problematic.、Mm-hmm. And since then, I have tried to be. You know, very balanced both ways. You know, be as true to the redemptive narrative that we're committed to, but not you know、uh, devoid of anything in that they can do 
or or reflect on Monday morning, mm. and to really be uh, reflective um, uh, reflective of that. And so, yeah, that's All good. Right. Scott, your turn. Yeah, I well, I, I guess I've got. I'm trying to think. I, I've got kind of three. This is I'm breaking my own rule because I got three different kinds of bad responses that instantly came to mind. The first one is the one I already mentioned. Maybe it's kind of like my pastoral. My pastor's child wound or something because early on in preaching someone's saying i couldn't hear you mm-hmm. like i'd rather you say i hated everything you said than <laughs> i don't know what you were talking about i couldn't hear you like that that kind of thing that to me is so deflating and it's not their fault i get it <laughs> you know but i realize that that now has become the thing that kind of forms one of my concerns i want to make sure they hear what i'm saying so i mean that's kind of the you know that's the thing that I think as a young pastor was really hard to hear. And again, it's, it's a, uh, it's not something that's any, anyone's fault, but I think personally, I remember one time I was actually doing, I was, I was uh, candidating for a position and I was preaching at a church and I'll tell you, I was up there. I was looking in their faces. They were responding. It was great. It was the best. This is again, It was very early. This is 15, 17 years ago. Uh, I thought, like I'm going to get, not only am I going to get this job, they're going to like hire me to be the senior. This was an associate job, but they're going to just go ahead and fire the other guy and hire me. <laughs> and I remember afterwards, I glad handed everybody in the back. We shook hands, yep. you know, kissed babies. It was great. And then we go to get in the car for a six hour drive home. And my wife goes, what happened? <laughs> it was like, Wow, that happened up there. Are you okay? You know, as in it was so bad. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't saying, what happened? You were amazing. <laughs> and I, I just, I dropped. It, it just oh, like yeah, the bottom very, dropped out. Yeah. And it wasn't, it's not, she, she was responding to what she was feeling. And she thought, obviously he's feeling the same thing. And I was responding. I was living out my best life now. <laughs> thinking I had this amazing experience and it, it was good that we had six hours in the car to like, to, okay, deconstruct, you know, kind of talk through what was going on. And she was entirely right. I think I actually, you know, for whatever reason, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I was sensitive to the audience, to the congregation I was preaching mm-hmm. to. And I was somehow totally in my head in this sermon, mm-hmm. you know, but I remember that just the bottom dropping out. Mm-hmm. Long ago. And then, I mean, you know, that's, so that was, I guess, personally, to answer my own question, that was personally messed with me the most. But Paul, you mentioned something earlier that I thought, actually, I think the thing that I least want to hear is the comment where the, where the church, you're praised, but you're praised by putting down the church. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I left a sermon one time at a church not far from here. And uh, this was years ago. And a guy said, well, it's good to finally hear an exegetical sermon. And the pastor he was talking about is a good friend of mine. And I know he preaches exegetical sermons. Yes. Oh, but years this, ago. You mean recently at my retreat? Yeah, this is a, <laughs> years ago, as in two weeks ago at the New City <laughs> Retreat. No, it actually, no, it wasn't New City. <laughs> Let's pull, I know Paul speak, preaches exegetical sermons. But I know what he was saying because this guy has a different style yeah. and everything. And I was like, I don't, I don't need this. I don't need yeah. that. Like, that doesn't make me happy. You know, Um, so not to end on a sour note, because at the end of the day, um, you know, I still go back to Jonathan Edwards preaching with the paper 10 inches away from his face by candlelight 
in monotone voice and revivals taking place you yep. know, in his church and beyond people going home just to eat so they can come back and hear the word preached more. Ultimately, this isn't about a therapeutic practice of us going in and making people feel good or feeling good ourselves. It's about proclaiming the word of God. Mm-hmm. And partnering with other churches and, to do that. And partnering with other churches to do that and to do it well. And it's good. And it's good for our congregations to hear different voices mm-hmm. too. You know, get to, yeah. it, it helps us see the richness of the body of Christ. And yet with that said, there is this human element of it that I don't think I heard much about when I was preparing to be a pastor, which is like how pastors actually experience this thing that's preaching. So thanks for taking the time to sit and talk about it, brothers. I love hearing your experiences. Look forward to future conversations. For everybody listening, uh, RTS is starting up classes. It's the fall semester. If you'd like to be a part of our women's Bible study, check it out Tuesday mornings at 1030. We've got a lot going on. Go online, check out our classes, rts.edu forward slash Washington if you'd like to apply. And if you'd like to ask a question, go to the show notes of this uh, podcast and there's a link there where you can pose a question for a future episode. I know we've got a couple questions in the hopper Mm -hmm. that we're going to have to answer in some future episodes. So until then, take care.